Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 25, Best Movie Soundtracks. Chris McBrien here, along with Yancey Eaton. As always, this Pop Goes Your World, a pop culture podcast for the generations. This week, Yancey, we're doing something a little bit different. We're stepping outside the norm this week, and we're actually welcoming in somebody. We're bringing in a guest this week. So how do you feel about this? Is this going to encroach on anything you've got to say this week? What do you think? Um, I, I guess not. I mean, this person's kind of, I don't know, kind of a if we're going to be honest. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, he's one of our best friends. What are you talking about? He, yeah. he, said, he says it out of love. I know it. Yeah, that's, that's what good. it is, most likely. That's, that's so, what I'm going to choose to believe. Without further ado, let's bring him in. You, you know, already hear his voice. It's Sammy Reed. And you know, Sammy Reed, you can find him on Twitter, at Sammy Reed FL. Uh, he's a writer over at Fantasy Insiders, big baseball fan like you and me, Ansi. Obviously, that's where we know him from. And you'll also find him on the Baseball Holics podcast, Sammy Reed. Welcome to the show, my friend. Ah, thank you guys so much for having me, man. I'm I'm actually a huge fan of the show. I've listened to every episode, and I'm super honored to be the very first guest on the show. Very first guest on the show. This is going to be something else. So, by the way, before we get started, we usually at the at the, the top of the show we just going you know, to mention something that's kind of been going on in our lives. I'm going to have you both kill me for something. Okay, here's the deal. Uh, Yancy, you, a couple weeks ago you mentioned Westworld. You're like, man, you got to watch Westworld. It's the best show ever. Okay, so I started watching it. My wife and I watched the first three episodes. Okay, I don't like it. Oh, come on, man. Sorry, man. I don't know, man. We just started and you're having a bad show. I know. Sammy, do you watch the show? Do you like it? I've heard so many good things about it. I desperately wanted to like it. I really wanted to like I, it. I've actually not seen it. Yancey's tried to talk me into it, and Jonathan Nolan does it, and I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan, and, mm-hmm. and they work together on a lot of films that I love, so it's kind of next on my list, but I can't hate you for it so far. Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of uh, you know hate tweets and, and emails and all that stuff for saying it, but I'm just being honest. You know, I, I really wanted to like it, and I'm just... I, I don't like it. I don't know. I, there's a couple things about it I don't like. Um, I don't like some of the casting. Um, I think Evan Rachel Wood is fantastic in it. Like, I think she's off the charts. So I was like, oh, I really want to, I'm really going to want to like this. I want to like the show and I'm going to like the show, but I don't like the show. So I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. Anyway, you guys ready to get started? Oh, yeah. Yep. All Let's right. Here we go. It's AT-ATs, not AT-ATs. I do understand your reasoning with the whole hype in. So maybe it's, a, it's an American thing, AT-ATs. I don't know. I refuse to accept that, to be honest with you. I, I'm going to go all the way to the top if I have to. Until I hear it from, like, George Lucas's mouth. And uh, we'll get an answer, but... I don't have anything to back it up. It seems pretty conclusively that it's AT-ATs, not AT-ATs. What? Are you serious? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this week, we are going to be talking about our favorite movie soundtracks, the best movie soundtracks of all time. So, uh, you know, as you know, Sammy, you've listened to the show. You said we usually do our top five. We start five and we work our way up to one. So we're going to do the same thing here. Um, So you want to kick us off, Sammy, you're our guest. Why don't you go first? Your number five soundtrack of all time and why? I would absolutely love to. Um, I actually just watched this movie last night for research purposes, and it's the 1993 high school film Dazed and Confused. Oh, Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, this is this is one of the great high school movies of all time. It takes place in 1976 and the classic rock soundtrack. I mean, it reads like a Guitar Hero set list, right? The opening montage, you know, there's stoners smoking joints and the jocks are making paddles and shop class and the nerds are playing cards. And the whole thing is to Aerosmith's Sweet Emotion, one of my favorite songs for them. 
uh, School's Out for Summer plays uh, by Alice Cooper when all the kids are getting out of class and throwing papers. Uh, no More N- Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, Low Rider by War when all the kids are like searching for the party and they're like driving around. Love Hurts by Nazareth. Um, to me, it's not just that they're great songs, but each of them is really, it fits well with the scene and really describes it. You know, like like School's Out. You know, there's this great line in that song, we got no class and we got no principles. And it's just got this great double meaning. I love the film. I love the soundtrack. For me, my number five, Dazed and Confused. Oh, I like that. It's a very seminal movie, too. If you think of, like, like Ben Affleck and Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger. Like, it's a very seminal film, Parker Posey. Uh, so I all, think right, that, all right, yeah, all right. I like it. I think that's a good pick. Uh, okay, Yancey, over to you. Your number five soundtrack of all time. What is it, Mr. Millennial? Uh, number five for me is uh, from a movie that I actually did not know anything about going into it. The movie's only a couple years old. Uh, that's why I kind of put it number five, because it's not like I've grown up with this film and watched it a ton, but I went into this movie with zero expectations, thinking that it was a throwaway comic book film, and it was actually one of the best movies I saw that year, and it's Guardians of the Galaxy. The soundtrack for that <laughs> thing is absolutely phenomenal, and when you go back and look at it, um, they spent a lot of money on this soundtrack. It opens up with the scene where uh, Chris Pratt's character is going through like this, you know, this weird plan. He has like this weird mask on, so you can't see what he looks like. But he basically like turns on this song, and it's it's uh, the the whole soundtrack is like classic rock. It's basically like a playlist that his mom made for him back, you know, whenever she was like on her deathbed. Basically, I mean, it has like the Jackson Five. It has David Bowie. It has the Raspberries, Blue Swede. Um, it has Marvin Gaye. It, there's just so many like awesome oh, classic yeah. rock songs that fits in with like this weird like futuristic you know Marvel universe you know there's aliens and talking raccoons and like a you know a gigantic tree and like somehow all of these classic rock songs fit into it perfectly like it's it's the weirdest movie like I said I didn't expect it to be so good but all these all these like weird one-off songs from the 60s and 70s just fit so good for it so Guardians of the Galaxy is my number five. Oh, very good now the important thing for me I want to just mention is not just well, okay when I'm talking about the soundtrack it's not just like how good the songs are for me mm-hmm. I, I think it's also important that how they're woven into the movie because absolutely like, I take that into account when I'm ranking my favorites here and I do want to mention if I could just quickly a couple of honorable mentions because I'm going to get you know hate mail if I don't mention some of these I think The Breakfast Club I just want to give a shout out uh, any John Hughes movies pretty much for that movie for that sake um, I also thought The Rocky Horror Picture Show had a great soundtrack like everybody remembers the time warp but for me Science fiction double feature, Gamma Janet. Oh, so good. Um, my wife, I told her I was going to be doing soundtracks tonight, and she's like, Oh, you got to shout out Top Gun and Dirty Dancing, but I don't like those ones, so I'm not going to mention uh, Okay. Top Gun is kind of corny. Yeah. So, okay. Yep. Sam. You guys, uh, first off, I, I just got to tell you, I was so excited to do this episode and hear what you guys were going to put as soundtracks. I mean, this is this is great for me. Well, let me tell you. Here we go. Because I'm the old guy on this show, Sammy. I'm the Gen Xer, and that's, I go way. That's back. good. I'm usually the old guy, so I'm glad there's somebody older. Oh, yeah. You no, know, than me here. Yeah, no worries. I'm the old guy, and I'm going to show my age right here. My number five is from 1977, and that's Saturday Night Fever. Okay, it is the most iconic movie of the disco era. I know that's not saying a lot. Okay, but just we, you know, work work with me on this one. Um, Saturday Night Fever is the most iconic movie. Um, when it comes to disco, although it's probably not my favorite disco movie. Yancey, do you have any guesses what my favorite disco movie is? Um, I do not. It's The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. But anyway, Saturday Night Fever, I, I think, is really important when it, when it comes to the soundtrack because Saturday Night Fever, it, it defined an era of the 70s. It defined disco, you know, for sure. And and like I, like like the other thing, too, is the Bee Gees, like they... 
they were not involved until in the film until post-production so what happened was um travolta and pesco they did a scene where they were like um, they were rehearsing a dance number together and they were actually doing it to a boss gag song and the bg song didn't get added until post-production so i think that's kind of important but like i say um a film's soundtrack you know is iconic to me when it represents an era and saturday night fever absolutely represents an era so it's my number five uh number four sammy what do you got now that that is awesome, and uh, and I have another John Travolta film as my number four. Oh, good. And I, is yeah, is, I, is it the sequel? I, is it the sequel? Staying Alive? <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint please be you. Battlefield Earth. Please be Battlefield Earth. <laughs> but I really, I really love. You know, one of the things I love about this show is we have the juxtaposition between the millennial and the Gen Xer, yeah. <laughs> and I'm 36. I'm 36, so I'm like Perfect. right in the middle. Oh, this is great. Um, yeah. and, and so I'm hoping to add a new vibe. I know that you Love. guys, uh, you know, maybe have skipped around on the 90s a little bit. Yeah. And I have a ton of 90s flavor. We talk all the time about 1994 being a great year for movies, also a great year for soundtracks. My number four is Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah. I thought and... you were Lion King there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been a worthy choice. Um, but John Travolta was not the Lion King. He was in Pulp Fiction. I had to have at least one Tarantino film in here. Um, this soundtrack, I mean, it's very eclectic. It went platinum. Um, it's a mix of like Motown funk and surf rock. Um, it's just, there's this great sequence about half an hour into the movie where John Travolta goes to his dealer's house and he ties one off and then he's driving to Mia Wallace's house and the song called Bullwinkle Part 2 comes on. Yep. And then he gets to Mia Wallace's house and, you know, he's kind of sauntering around and Son of a Preacher Man comes on, which is just beautiful. Uh-huh. And, you know, Mia Wallace is watching him on the on the camera and she's snorting lines. And then they go to Jackrabbit Slims and Rumble comes on, which is this great, like, guitar solo. It's just that dun, dun, dun. And then isn't, isn't Girl, You'll Be a Woman soon woven into that scene as well? It sure is. They, yeah. they they do the dance. They do yeah. the twist dance to You Never Can Tell by Chuck Berry. Yes. And then they go back to Mia Wallace's house. And the whole thing is is finished off by Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon by Urge Overkill. And she overdoses. And the entire sequence, you guys, is just captivating. You know, Tarantino is really a master at, like, you know, kind of kind of captivating and weaving music to set moods. And for me, Pulp Fiction is the best example. That's my number four. There you go. Number four, Yancey, what do you got? Love it. I like that movie a lot. It almost made my list. It was going to be my honorable mentions, but uh, couldn't fit in there. Uh, number four for me, one of my favorite movies. I talked about this just recently, uh, The Interstellar Soundtrack by Hans Zimmer. Uh, I was doing some research for this on Hans. He's obviously a German composer. I didn't realize just how many movies he has composed, like all of the Batman soundtracks. I mean, he did The Lion King. He did um, Inception. I mean, literally like 15 to 20 of you know some of the biggest movies we've seen in the last 20 to 30 years he did the scores for them and they're just hugely different like animated films and serious films and romantic comedies and sci-fi and everything he's just incredible but uh, interstellar obviously it's a space uh you know like a futuristic sci-fi film uh heavy 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 just orchestral music tons of church organs uh, there's a really neat uh, video on YouTube that you can go watch. It talks about like the making of it where uh, Nolan basically wanted him to, he wanted Hans Zimmer to go in it blind, basically saying like, think about something that's slightly futuristic and like the relationship, the parallel between like a dad or a, I'm sorry, a father and his son. But he didn't actually tell him that it was actually about the relationship between a father and his daughter and like this weird, 
you know, uh, basically like going into a blind to create something where he had no preconceived notions of what this this entire score is supposed to feel like. So basically, the entire soundtrack is just like it's like really electronic, mechanical sounds throughout the entire thing, and it builds heavier and heavier. And it like like you guys are talking about how it, it kind of a perfect soundtrack isn't just songs that you like. It has to like flow and it has to make sense with what's happening in the in the movie with scenes. And with this soundtrack, I think it's just perfect. It, the, Anytime I'm building VFS lineups, I'm always listening to this, which is like a really weird choice. But I don't know what it is. It's just like all of the the heavy uh, just composition from top to bottom, like a huge, huge arrangement, especially towards the end. It's just it's a fantastic soundtrack. Um, no words in it, obviously. No no uh you know traditional you know like guitar and stuff like that. All symphony, all orchestral stuff. So. Um, something I would go back and look at. So Interstellar is my number four. Because you're a millennial and we let you away with stuff, I'm going to let you away with this. But Sammy, I don't know how you feel about this. I'm not trying to call you out, Yancey, but I'm just wondering, like, because that Interstellar this is just a score, isn't it? There's not like to me, a soundtrack is songs, and a score is is you know instrumentals. But uh, I don't know. It is a it is an, it is an official original motion picture <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> in, I would in any other in any other space, I would say absolutely. This is complete. <laughs> cheating but i love interstellar so i'm gonna allow it okay we'll allow it it sounds good okay my number four going back to 1973 american graffiti so george lucas's movie obviously based on when he was a teenager growing up cruising around in cars in modesto california that movie's all about the music and the thing is if you watch the movie it's basically made up of like short little sort of snapshots of scenes and each and every scene has a song playing in the background and it was unbelievable because when they went to make the movie it cost them 90 grand for the rights for all the songs that they used in the movie and they had no money left for a score Yancey just so you know a score is the is the instrumental part of the, of the sound but anyway I was, I was a music major in college thank you okay anyway they had no money left for the score so the rest of the movie is silent there's no instrumentals there's no score in the movie it's very very weird but it really actually kind of it kind of sets a tone for the movie. I, I think it. I think it's it's very interesting the way it's done. Cool enough too. Just a piece of trivia. RCA is the one studio that would not give them the rights to songs. So as a result, no Elvis songs were in the movie. But it's all good because I think the songs that are in there are amazing. The soundtrack is fantastic, just the way it is. Number three, Sammy. What do you got? Yeah, and and American Graffiti on its own is just an amazing movie. Oh, it's wicked. My number three is the only movie not from the 1990s. It's the 2012 musical. Rock of Ages. Oh. And, you know, maybe this is cheating what? because it's kind of a musical. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you laughing at me? Yes. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Let I the band speak. Let's hear. I love, I love, love, love the soundtrack to this film. I think to me the coolest thing about it is that the actors and actresses in the movie sing all the songs. So you have like Russell Brand, Alec Baldwin, Paul Giamatti, uh, Juliana Huff. Mary J. Blige, Diego Bonetta, um, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and most importantly, you have Tom Cruise, who actually crushes Pour Some Sugar on Me and Wanted Dead or Alive. You know, it's just filled with all these great songs from the 1980s, all this, you know, hair metal and, you know, 80s rock. You have Paradise City. You have Here I Go Again with from Whitesnake. You have REO Speedwagon, Can't Fight This Feeling. You have Don't Stop Believing in Any Way You Want It from Journey. You have Every Rose Has Its Thorn. You have Rocky Like a Hurricane. And I just love this movie on its own for the music. You know, I was born in 1980, and this was the the 
the music of my childhood. So I absolutely love it. 2012's Rock of Ages is my number three. Good one. All right, Yancey, what do you got for your number three soundtrack of all time? All right. When you said Rock of Ages, I was thinking School of Rock with Jack Black. That's why I, uh, <laughs> I had to look up. I'm like, oh, okay, my bad. What, you don't like Teacher's Pat? Come on. Come no. on. Oh, man. That movie isn't bad. School of Rock, it opens with uh, Led Zeppelin. And, like, Led Zeppelin is notorious for not letting anybody use their stuff in yeah. films. And it, yeah, and, so. and, it, and it closes with ACDC. You know, it's a long way to the top. But anyway, I love that movie. Anyway, what's your number three? Anyways, uh, number three for me is from the 2000 American film of the same name, written, directed, and produced by the Coen brothers, and it is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, That's a good one, actually, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Chris, for the validation. Um, This is one of my favorite films. Most importantly, because there's actually songs in it. Yep, there are songs. Yep. (laughs) Uh, This is probably one of my top favorite 15 or 20 films, and uh, just the, the soundtrack on it is just amazing. All the songs that are in it are completely original. Um, the Man of Constant Sorrow, that is kind of like the song that everybody just immediately thinks of when they think of this movie. Uh, there was actually five different versions of this that they recorded that actually they make an appearance in different parts of the film. Um, it's it's country, it's folk, it's bluegrass, it's blues. Um, I mean, it's even gospel music. There's just so many different elements to it that works so well with the film. Like, um, you know, the the upbeat stuff obviously is is what people remember. But for me, like the the one scene and the one song that works the best for me is uh, when the old the old guy is singing during the uh, whenever they see like the the Ku Klux Klan. Remember it's yeah. that night like they're burning the cross and stuff like that, and the guy the old man starts singing. Man, that just gives me chills. I, I used to own this soundtrack. I don't anymore, but I should buy it. But it's just a phenomenal phenomenal soundtrack. So Brother Warthel, number three for me. Okay, my number three. Everybody cut Footloose, and I'm talking about the '84 Kevin Bacon movie, not that. 2011 remake crap fest um there's some great songs in there obviously the title track footloose there's you know almost paradise holding out for a hero um and and i gotta make a shout out even though it didn't make it into the soundtrack big shout out to when ren mccormick's driving around town in his volkswagen and he's listening to metal health by quiet riot even without that song the soundtrack to footloose is really good and i think let's hear it for the boy is one of the most iconic songs of the 80s the the most iconic song for me, as I've said before on the show, is "Don't You Forget About Me" from the Breakfast Club. But I think yeah. I think "Let's Hear It for the Boy" uh, is right up there in my opinion. So that makes uh, my number three. Number two, Sammy, what do you got? Love it. My number two. We're going back to 1994. I would not be surprised if you guys had this at number one. I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't have it on your list at all. But my number two is Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. Sammy. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so good. I mean, you know, Forrest Gump is is a movie uh, that's very much about Americana, you know, in the 50s and, and specifically the 60s and 70s. And the one thing that it's great at is really capturing the mood of each era. And one of the ways that it does that is through music. And so this soundtrack is a 34 song, two disc soundtrack that is so diverse, right? It's got pop, rock, country, soul, rockabilly. Um, you know, it's got Hound Dog from Elvis for the 50s, you know, Turn, Turn, Turn by the Birds in the 60s, Sweet Home Alabama uh, by Leonard Skinner in the 70s. And, you know, one of the really defining uh, scenes in this in this movie is when Forrest and Bubba go to Vietnam. And the music that plays during this whole kind of montage is so great, right? You have Credence Clearwater's uh, Fortunate Son. You have All Along the, the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix. You have For What It's Worth uh, from Buffalo Springfield, which is probably like the most iconic Vietnam song ever. Um, you know, you have all these artists. You have Elvis and The Doors, Aretha Franklin, Fleetwood Mac, Willie Nelson, The Beach Boys, Bob Dylan. To me, this is probably 
objectively the best soundtrack ever made. Um, you guys may or may not agree, but it's not my number one, but it does make my number two Forrest Gump. Very cool. Yancey, number two, what do you got? My number two is also Forrest Gump, and I had to yeah. fight and fight and fight to not make it number one. Um, you mentioned there's like 34 songs on the official two-disc soundtrack. There's also yeah. 18 songs, additional songs, that make the movie that aren't in the official soundtrack. Like, remember, guys, whenever Jenny is, like, standing up, like, she's, like, you know, she's high as a kite, and she's standing on top of the uh, of the ledge or whatever, like, she's going to jump, and they're playing Freebird yeah. by Leonard Skinner. I mean, <sighs> there's that one, like you said, like, the, the Credence, you know, playing Fortunate Son, CCR playing that, like, whenever they're going to Vietnam, that's just, like, I think of that every time I think of Forrest Gump. That's, like, the first scene that just automatically sticks with me. So I mean, there's just, there are so many songs in this. I mean, they even have, like, the Mamas and the Papas and, like, Jackson Brown. There's, like, five door songs in this. Like, I, I, I think there's at least five. There's got to be. But, um, I mean, even, like, older songs you're talking about, like, um, that like rare B-sides and stuff from artists that we kind of remember, but not really, like Jimmy Gilmer and, like, Hank Williams, like, stuff that my grandpa would listen to. Like, it Simon literally spans... Yeah, it, it spans the generations, like, so nicely. And just every single song is kind of, like, in the background. It's like a fly on the wall. You know, there are exceptions wherever, like, the music is at the forefront and it's driving the entire scene. But, I mean, it just works so well in this. And you would think a, a movie that has so many songs jam-packed into it that it would be overkill, and it's not at all. Like, it completely works within the, the context of the film. So it's a number two for me. Could have been a number one. I was getting scared whenever I didn't hear you guys mention it, but I'm, I'm glad to see that we got at least two of the three lists. So, Chris, yeah. what's your number two? Uh, so before I get to mine, thanks. Uh, before I get to mine, I did want to mention, I do have a little bit of a prejudice against Forrest Gump. And let me explain what I mean. So in 1994, I personally felt that Pulp Fiction was the best film of that year, and I was rooting for for it to win an Oscar. I knew it wouldn't win because that's not the way that the Academy votes. And so Forrest Gump beat Pulp Fiction for best film that year. And I've always been kind of like, I don't know, not, I want to say down on Forrest Gump, but I'm like, Forrest Gump, you know, is not the best film of that year. So I don't know. I guess it's a little bit of a bias of mine. Okay, my number two going way back, 1968, and that's The Graduate, okay? Simon and Garfunkel, first of all, their, their song, The Sound of Silence, it had been around since 64, but Mrs. Robinson obviously written expressly for that movie. <clears throat> As a Gen Xer, the movie is a bit before my time because you know it came out before I was born. But I don't think you can downplay how good it is. And and like I mentioned before, how songs interplay with the film itself <clears throat> is very important to me. And there's not mu anything much better than watching Benjamin Braddock on the airplane and then standing on the people mover while the the sound of silence is playing at the beginning of the film to open the movie. Um, it really establishes the mood of the film. I think the songs continue to interplay throughout the movie. And it's not even the Simon and Garfunkel songs, you know, like and 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 like. Okay, so just to, to diverse, we're, we're talking about soundtracks, but since Yancey kind of mentioned score, I want to give a shout out here to Dave Grusin's score in The Graduate. And Dave Grusin in general, I think he was one of the best of all time. He had a style of his own, instantly recognizable. If you, if you think of movies like On Golden Pond, Tootsie, My Bodyguard, Dave Grusin, his score was unmistakable. So I just, maybe we have to do a whole show on score sometime. But anyway, but for me, The Graduate is Michael Nichols, he did some amazing things throughout his career, right from, I mean, he started at Second City with Elaine May all the way up to Angels in America, but for me, The Graduate is by far his best work, so it's number two for me. Number one, Sammy. Oh, we're there. We have gotten to my, we have gotten to my number one. Um, I'll just throw out a, a couple of quick honorable mentions. Uh, get them to the Greek, Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill 1, uh, Pitch Perfect, which is one of my guilty pleasures. Um, and the movie that I think Yancey has as his number one, which I won't mention, but my number one 
is Boogie Nights from 1997. Yeah. I love Boogie Nights, you guys. This film was made by Paul Thomas Anderson. It's a film about the porn industry in the late 70s in the San Fernando Valley. Have either of you guys seen this movie? Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Hell yeah. Wonderful movie, yeah. Oh, I, I love it. I didn't even like this movie like the first like time or two I saw it. And as time got, has gone on, it's become one of my favorite movies of all time. It's just got like the greatest supporting cast, I think, that, that I've ever seen. Burt Philip Reynolds. Seymour Hoffman, yeah. William H. Macy, Don Cheadle, John C. Riley. You know, Burt Reynolds and Julianne Moore were both uh, nominated for, for Best Supporting Actor and Actress. And to me, what makes this film so special is that it really captures the ethos of the 1970s and it to me it feels like this entire film is set to music i mean there are stretches where three four five whole songs play right in a row and they're these really long scenes and they're just they're just super fantastic you know it starts off with the best of my love by the emotions and the opening montage um there's this great scene when eddie first goes to uh jack horner's house and it's you know mama told me not to come which is you know a great placement of a song by three dog night Spill the Wine by War, Lonely Boy, um, You Sexy Thing. And, and these songs are all right in a row. And you guys have seen this movie. You know what I'm talking about. My very favorite scene in this movie is at the end when uh, Eddie and Todd and uh, John C. Riley's character, they all go to, uh, you know, what's his name? Alfred Molina's house to go sell the fake drugs, right? Mm-hmm. You guys know what scene I'm talking about? Correct. Yep. And, and, and they go there and they think they're just going to sell him a kilo of baking soda and they walk in and he's just strung out. He's high as a kite. He's got this bodyguard who has two guns on him. Uh, there's this little Chinese guy named Cosmo walking around setting off all these fireworks. And, you know, he's playing a song. He's playing his mixtape on the hi-fi system. And it starts with Sister Christian. And it's really slow and it starts with, uh, you know, the, the piano and then it builds up as the tension, you know, starts mounting. and Everybody's sweating and fireworks are going off and Alfred Molina's like pulling out guns and it's all crazy. And then in the middle of this tense moment, it stops and the, and the tape switches over to side B and it takes like five seconds. And then Jesse's girl comes on and it's, you know, a very like tense song. There's a lot of angst in it stuff starts blowing up you know people start shooting each other and all this crazy stuff starts happening i love this soundtrack it's maybe not the soundtrack that i would put in my you know stereo and drive around to and listen to myself but i think it just so captures the mood of an era so well i think it goes with the movie so well i absolutely love it my number one is boogie nights all right yancy what do you got for number one Really interesting pick. Of course I've seen it. My wife actually calls me Dirk Diggler at home. Oh, my, my, my. <laughs> <laughs> Hi-oh. <laughs> um, that is a really interesting choice. Like like you said, I don't know if I would just listen to those songs like as a standalone, as a, as a soundtrack, but they do work really well within the context of the film. But um, just a couple quick honorable mentions for me. Uh, obviously, Pulp Fiction is incredible. Um, the... Uh, Actually, I'm not going to... I wanted to mention Space Jam just as, like... As you love that one, yeah. I, I love the hell out of Space Jam, but, I mean, whatever. Anyways, I'll get to my number one. It's obviously Purple Rain. Uh, we yes. can't have... We cannot record an episode of this podcast, Chris, without me no. mentioning Prince in some sort of fashion. Um, some, You know, something crazy happened to me the last couple weeks. A really, really good friend of ours, a friend of the show, Sean, uh, Shawnee Doo-Wop on Twitter, he hooked me up with 
like 10 Prince albums that I did not have, sent them to me via Dropbox. These are these are albums that aren't even available for sale, so it's not like I could buy them if I wanted to. Um, and I've just been binging on Prince. It's all I've been listening to. Um, obviously, you know, I, I had Purple Rain before, but I'm just in like this like crazy, like the last like eight months, literally 90% of what I've been listening to is Prince. Um, the, the movie works. We've talked about it. It's, you know, opening with Let's Go Crazy is just... It, it just it's it's perfect it's absolutely this incredible cathartic just insane you know just guitar riff laden and it sets up the whole film everything about the the soundtrack works um you know some of the songs in the in the the album itself aren't my favorite you know like uh i'm not a huge fan of darling nikki i'm not a huge fan of i would die for you but they just work so well like how they're laden inside the soundtrack and it's just it's, it's absolutely beautiful prince is the man i still get emotional talking about it i still love it um I even wanted to put the Batman soundtrack in here just because I've been listening to that a lot too. <laughs> it's not as good of a sound uh, of a soundtrack, obviously, but um, not, man, I just love it's like U two and Seal on it, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. So that's my number one. Uh, any chance I can to mention Prince, I'm going to do it. So, and a special thanks to Sean. He listens to the podcast. Genuinely appreciate it. Seriously, like my life has been like transformed like the last couple weeks. That's all I've been listening to is all these albums. So, uh, special thanks to him. So that's my number one, guys. Purple Rain. Very good. Okay, <clears throat> my number one. Not only is this one of my favorite all-time movies, but my all-time favorite movie soundtrack is from the 1980 comedy musical The Blues Brothers. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, obviously the best soundtracks involve songs that go you know, woven right into the movie. You don't get any better than this. So the movie opens up with John Belushi himself singing the opening track, She Caught the Katie. Uh, you got James Brown as Cleophus James doing old landmark. There's Aretha Franklin with Think. Jake and Elwood sing Sweet Home Chicago and Everybody Needs Somebody at the Palace Hotel Ballroom. And the big number for me is Ray Charles when he does Shake Your Tail Feather. The whole city comes to life, joins into the musical number. Anytime that I've ever done karaoke in my life, not that that's any you know indication of a movie soundtrack's uh, viability in any, by any stretch, but I always, I always will sing songs from the Blues Brothers. I absolutely love that movie, and I think it's it is my favorite soundtrack. I can listen to it over and over and over again, and I have. And that's my number one. So there you go, guys. We did it. And you know what? Big shout out to Sammy, too, because this was Sammy's idea to do mm -hmm. movie soundtracks on, on this week's show. So we you know had to bring him on to have him do it. I thought that was great. Really good ones and not a lot of crossover. And I like the 90s input from Sammy. Okay, guys, it is time now that we have fun with Yancey. Now, Sammy, I'm going to let you join in from time to time. I'll throw it over to you. But this is the time of the show where we try to, like, stump the millennial. We, like, you know, mess with the millennial on this segment. We try oh, to yeah. embarrass Put Yancey. Just spot. say it. So we try to embarrass Yancey. We try to embarrass Yancey a little bit. It's just fun. It's fun with Yancey. And that's, that's the name. You know, fun with Yancey. Uh, so, anyway, this week I'm going to make it easy for you, Yancey. This is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to mention, I'm going to mention a song. And I'll tell you even what. I'll even mention the year. So, I'm going to give you the song and the year. All you have to do, mention the movie that the song is from. Okay? Really well-known ones. I'm going to start you off with such an easy one. Going back to 1939. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. It's Over the Rainbow. Over oh, the, uh, the Wizard of Oz. There you go. Congratulations. See, this is easy. Okay, 1987. I've had the time of my life. Oh, um... Oh, crap. It's a, it's a corny movie. Bill Medley, Jennifer Warnes. I've had the time of my life, and I owe it Not, all to you. It's Dirty Dancing. There or you like, go. It's, it is. It's Dirty Dancing. Yes. I'll cut you off right there. Congratulations. I've never seen either, that. but... All right, 1994. This one's right in your wheelhouse. I know you were like six years old, but when you were six, you went to see this movie, I'm sure. Can you feel the love tonight? 
The Lion King. Yes, very good. Okay, 1984, a song by Ray Parker Jr. is Ghostbusters. Are what? you asking what the movie is? <laughs> yeah, what's, what movie was it in? Ghostbusters? Yeah, it's Ghostbusters. I got to give you an easy one from time to time. Okay, going back. This is is like you saying, like, what was Tupac's real name? Exactly. Yeah, well, we did that before. Uh, You're you're giving Yancey all the softballs, and when you ask me one, I'm totally going to flub it. I'm like, oh, I knew all those. Okay, I'm going to throw one over to you then, Sammy. 1994, you've got a friend in me. (laughs) (laughs) I know it. I know Yancey knows this one, because you'd have been right around the age, Yancey. You probably saw this in the theater. Randy Newman. Yep, Randy Newman, and the, and the movie, of course, is... You Toy got Randy Newman. Right, Toy <laughs> <Story>. yep. Okay, <laughs> and then one last softball one for you, Yancy. This one's super, super easy, okay? I'm not even going to give you the year, because it's so easy. This is, a, this is a millennial one for you. Lose yourself. Oh, uh, 8 Mile. There you, oh, yeah. right. there you go. See, told you I was going to give you easy ones this week. Sammy... Thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, do you want to just remind everybody out there where they can find you online, what you're doing at your other podcast? Talk a little bit about it. Let us know what's going on. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, you know, my friend Doug Thorburn and I uh, do a podcast called Baseball Holics Anonymous. Um, it's our little brainchild. Sorry, sorry. Just, I just want to shout out to Doug, too, by the way, man. You, you Sammy, you're good. You and I have been friends for a, for a long time. I'm giving you a shout out. But Doug, man, really knows his stuff. He, he's so sharp. He's just so smart uh, about baseball in a way that I don't think a lot of people are. He's been a friend of mine since college, so like 18 years. Um, I love that guy. He's my partner. He's got a lot of great insights. Uh, he's the co-host on Baseball Holics Anonymous. And then I have my stuff on Fantasy Insiders on Twitter, at Sammy Reed FI. And dude, I'll tell you, this was such fun to do. I'm a huge fan of this show. I'm so honored that you guys brought me on, and, and I'd love to do it again sometime. Hey, man, it's, it's been great, you, you know, knowing you over the years, doing the baseball stuff together, and it was a natural progression to have you on this show. No two ways about it. Yancey, what's going on? Anything else uh, in your life that uh, you just want to give any shout-outs to, or what's going on? You, you, are you going to force me? Should I really go back and give Westworld another chance after three episodes? What do you think? I really think you should try. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I, I think you should try to expand your horizons just a little bit. Not everything that's new sucks. I mean, just try to open your mind up just a little bit, and I think you'll be surprised. You'll like it. Can I just go back and watch the 1973 Yule Brenner film instead? Would that count? No? <laughs> I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what. I'll make you a deal. I'll tell you what. I'll go back and watch the rest of Westworld when you finally watch um, Blazing Saddles. How about that? You watch Blazing Saddles. Oh, Yancey. Unbelievable. I know. There are so many films I have not seen. Seriously. I do need to see it. I'm telling you. You watch Blazing Saddles, and then I'll go back. And they're both Western-related, okay? Totally different ends of the spectrum. But you watch Blazing Saddles. I'll go back and give Westworld another chance, okay? All right. Well, hey, listen. Racism is in vogue again, so. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) Should we mention the date that we're actually recording this? January the 20th, 2017. <laughs> All right. On behalf of Yance Eaton, this is Chris McBrien saying thanks for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 